Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack now, Sunday morning on 94 WIP. Mike Sielski is author of The Rise, Kobe Bryant, The Pursuit of Immortality. I read it. Um, and Ray, I, I was really struck as we bring Mike on as a guest that, and I know this is going to sound foolish because we lived through it, but that walking among us, going to the same hangouts and hoagie shops and playing on the same playgrounds and, and the JCC gym out near where I live at city line and Haverford Avenue was this incendiary talent for the ages who passed through our lives. And Mike, that's, as I read the book, it's like I knew this, but it just struck me um, that aspect of the book, that all of this happened right here, right where we live. Uh, yeah, Glenn, thanks. Um, and that struck me, too, in, in researching and writing it. Um, I kept thinking that there should have been more written about Kobe before he became a senior at Lower Merion, um, just because he was making this rise and he was the son of a, you know, basketball you know, relatively speaking, a legend in the city and Joe Bryant. And here he is, you know, making this journey to becoming this incredible player himself. And it wasn't really until like the end of his junior year or the beginning of his senior season that people really started to catch on into how good he was and how great he was going to be. Yeah, not to not to rip your current employer, but you do write in there about how Jeremy Treatman, um, who yes. we all know is a local basketball figure and who was the guy covering preps at the time for the Inquirer, kept saying like, we got to write about this kid. We got to write about this kid. And his editor's like, yeah, yeah, yeah who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he got That's it. True. Um, your column earlier this week, uh, after the, the Sixers lost uh, to Washington, essentially said that unless Ben Simmons comes back to play, which is obviously unlikely, that um, Daryl Morey's stubbornness is jeopardizing the Sixers season. I'm just going to read a little bit of what you wrote. Uh, counting on Simmons to stop sitting in the corner and sucking his thumb seems the worst of these two bets. Brilliant, by the way. But Maury's infatuation with Harden and his apparent refusal to receive even 99 cents in return for what he perceives to be Simmons' dollar are the factors that most put this season in peril for the Sixers. You really think he needs to give up more? Because Ray and I were talking. I, how much more leverage does Brooklyn have here? Yeah, they don't have a lot of leverage. I think it's funny, I, Glenn. I just finished within 15 minutes of getting on the phone with you guys, writing another column about this, in which I took a look at, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Maury's history with Harden and how just, I don't know of another word, but kind of devoted to James Harden as a player, as the centerpiece of a championship team, Maury has been throughout his career. You know, Harden is kind of the validation of 
Maury's approach to team building. He got he got Harden when Harden was 23, and the Rockets became contenders, and they cycle through all these other superstars, all while Harden is there trying to win a championship and getting close and never doing it. And I think that's the potential kind of obstruction here for the Sixers, is that Maury runs the risk of getting so fixated on getting this guy who he's been either chasing or been with his whole career that it stops him from making the kind of deal that either could help the Sixers this season, like I wrote, as you just mentioned, or might be better for them in the long term, right? Like, just because Harden is the best, best player available doesn't mean that getting him is the best move for the Sixers to make because of what you might have to give up to get him or the fact that he's 32 or how, you know, how does it change the dynamic of the team? All that kind of stuff. So, you know, there, there's an opportunity here right now this season if they want to trade Ben Simmons and get better. And, you know, the more you look at the East, the more I think, like, you know, probably ought to do it if they can. Yeah, I, I think when, going back to the start of the season, when Simmons took his position and said, I'm not coming in, I'm not playing there, and Maury kind of said, well, we're just going to sit and wait, and we're just going to ice this guy. And if it takes if it takes all year, it takes all year. Initially, the reaction that I sensed from the public and listening to the radio station and so forth was good, good. Don't give this guy what he wants. Let him sit it out. If he wants to sit it out, go let him sit it out. Everybody was kind of on board with that at that time. But as time has gone by, and we're now past halfway mark, and now you're into February, um, and there's just a a weariness with the whole story and everything – I'm just wondering what the people's reaction was to the column that you wrote where you took the position and said, let's do this. Do you get the feeling initially people were very dug in about, we'll show this guy, he's not going to push us around or he's not going to force a trade. Let's let him sit there and rot to the point where enough already, let's move him. Yeah, right. I I absolutely got that reaction. And what's funny is, and this is going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm really not. I wrote that at the start of this thing, that yeah, it feels good now to say, let Simmons sit and rot. But Daryl Morey's job as a general manager of the Sixers, as the general manager of the Sixers, is not to, you know, allow people to feel satisfied by punishing Ben Simmons. His job is to build a team that can compete and eventually win a championship. And the the, the season was always going to be the test of people's impressions and, and judgment of this whole situation. And as the season went on, it became clear, like, they're not quite good enough. They're good, and, and they might be good enough if they trade Simmons and just add whatever they can get for him to compete for a championship, but they're not good enough to just let him sit and rot, and people eventually were going to get to the point where they were like, hey, look, like we got to do something here. you know." And I know Maury wants to hold out for the best possible deal, and that's great, but you don't know how that's going to go. I mean, any, you know, anything could happen. Suppose you know James Harden gets injured, or you know anything is possible. Um, so, yeah, I think initially people were, as you said, Ray, were very happy to say, "Yeah, let Ben Simmons sit." Well, that's great, but that doesn't get you any closer to a championship. Mike Sealski is our guest. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Sealski S I E L S K I. Has Simmons' um, trade value changed since the start of the season? I mean, and. And done anything wrong? And done anything right? Well, I guess what he's done wrong is he's, you know, kind of the public wine—not public, but the the wine behind the scenes to Shaquille O'Neal and so on—and and 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 all that's come out from his side. But do you think his value has increased or decreased? 
I'm not sure it's changed, Glenn. I think the way the Sixers are playing this is they are banking that whatever team might trade for Simmons assumes that they are going to get a motivated Ben Simmons who is ready to play and ready to be anywhere else other than Philadelphia. Um, I know that's the way they're looking at it, that, you know, that's just kind of taken for granted around the league that, you know, in Rich Paul related situations, um, his clients end up where they want to go and then are motivated to play for the teams that they end up playing for. And so in that regard, I, I wish I could answer your question, but I'm not sure. I think Probably some teams are looking at it that way. I'm not sure all teams are looking at it that way. There have to be executives and coaches and people around the league looking at this and going, you know, how much does this guy, can we really take a chance on a guy who's willing to sit out, you know, an entire season? And the one thing that's been consistent throughout this whole situation is that Simmons has made it clear he is not playing for the Sixers. He's just not going to do it. So, you know, to answer your question about his trade value, I'm not sure. I think it depends on what, you know, each individual team and its leadership group feels about uh, Simmons and how they weigh that whole willingness to sit. You know, Mike, you mentioned um, that the uh, the way the East looks right now, and it, do- it does look wide open. I mean, you've got five or six teams within two or three games of each other, uh, all bunched at the top. And uh, the, the, the feeling is, if you just look at the standings, if you just look in the paper, you say, wow, it's, you know, the Sixers could win this thing. There's not that much separating these teams. I don't know. You know, I, I'll just tell you my feeling. Just looking at the, just looking at the teams, I still think Milwaukee is the best team, uh, and I think that this is one. I think they're they're in a year after a championship, where they're, the regular season just kind of is the treading water phase, you know. And we're just, you know, we're going to get to the playoffs, and then then we're going to start to play. And I, I just think this idea that any one of these five or six teams could win this thing is probably more illusion than reality. I still look at the Bucks as when you get to the postseason, the Bucks are going to say, they're going to lace them up and say, okay, it's time to go play, and they're going to be the best team all over again. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, Ray. I think, you know, from the Sixers' standpoint, I'm not sure they're as top-heavy as you need to be, as great as Embiid is uh, and has been, and as wonderful and, and kind of joyful as it is to watch Tyrese Maxey play, um, I'm not sure Embiid has enough around him at the top of that roster to get done what the Sixers want to get done. Um, but again, that's one of the risks that if you're Maury, you have to weigh. Like, take, for example, the, the Nets, right? Like, let's say he trades straight up. You know, the, the Nets decide, you know what, Harden's not going to sign with us in the offseason. We know that. We're going to trade him now at the deadline. I don't know if this is going to happen. It's probably not likely to happen, but let's say it does. So you, it's straight up. Ben Simmons for James Harden. What if Ben Simmons comes back and makes the Nets better than the Sixers, than Harden makes the Sixers? Mm-hmm. Because you've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and now you've got – Simmons doesn't have to shoot the ball ever yeah. with those yeah. two guys on the roster, and he's given them great defense and passing and speed and all the things that he can do without having to worry about whether he's going to the foul line in the fourth quarter. So oh, that would be the irony, wouldn't it? Yeah, it sure would. Um, so – I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, Ray. I think, you know, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's the Nets kind of getting themselves right before the playoffs, um, I think there will be some separation once the, the postseason begins. I want to change the topic for a moment because you wrote an interesting column this week after Tom Brady's retirement, kind of looking at his all-time uh, standing among sports villains in Philadelphia. He was not in our division. He was not in our conference. You know, the Eagles played him, whatever, once every couple of years, but played him in two Super Bowls. 
Uh, how will Eagles fans regard Tom Brady historically? This is just kind of my take on it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of a villain that I don't think a whole lot of people around here hate it, if that makes sense. Like, he's not the Cowboys, and he's not, you know, I don't know, the Atlanta Braves of the 90s and the 2000s. There was this combination of admiration and fear with Brady because Definitely he was fear. so good. Yeah, because he was so good and because of the way he came up through the NFL, right? Like, he had that underdog element to him that Philadelphia sports fans love. He was the sixth-round pick, the 199th overall. He wasn't the chosen one at the beginning of his career or anything like that. Um, and so I think that's kind of – he's kind of got this unique place where, like, you know, you didn't hate him the way you might have hated, you know, the, like I said, the Cowboys or – I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're not Ray Romo. Would, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Or the, even like Ray would remember this, like the Pittsburgh Pirates of the 70s when they would play oh, sure. the Phillies. Like, you know, they that was hatred back then. People forget that, but it's true. Brady doesn't occupy that same kind of space. He was just kind of too good um, and came from, had that story that Philadelphians love. So I think he's kind of on his own in that regard. Hmm. You know, we're a week away from the Super Bowl, and um, just wondering how you're looking at this game. Um your feeling about it this time, um, your, and kind of just what you think, because you and I talked about this over the course of the season. This was not a particularly great NFL season on the whole. It really wasn't. You know, there, there, there wasn't a really compelling story. There wasn't really a great team. The officiating, once again, was awful. Uh, the regular season was kind of a, not much. But then you got into the postseason, and the last two weekends were just ter- terrific. Uh, and, you know, the NFL is going, at least competitively, put the Brian Flores thing aside for a moment, but just talking about what's happening on the field, the NFL's got to feel pretty good about what they got going into the Super Bowl. Do you have a feeling they can get yet another great game out of it? I do, Ray, and I think there are some really kind of cool storylines here. I mean, the idea that the Bengals could win a Super Bowl, obviously that's a great underdog story. The idea that Joe Burrow, within – you know, two years after finishing what might be the best season any quarterback has ever had in the history of college football, could then take that sad sack franchise to a championship is remarkable. The idea that Matthew Stafford, after languishing all those years with the Lions and never, maybe never really getting to show how good he could be, could have a great game on the biggest stage. You know, Sean McVay, who's supposed to be this wonderkind coach who still couldn't beat Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, gets a chance to win that championship and kind of validate the Chunky Soup commercials and all that stuff. I think this is a really interesting game. Like you said, the playoffs have been awesome. Um, certainly after the first weekend, you know, when all, after all those blowouts, the Eagles-Bucks game among them. But um, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I, I, I think it would be cool if the Bengals won. I think, that, you know, that poor city has been suffering long enough, and those fans have been suffering long enough. It would be great to see them win the Super Bowl. Yeah, the the, uh, the odds makers may favor uh, the Rams, but I would guess ninety percent of Americans will be rooting for Cincinnati on that day. Uh, hey, on uh, on Tuesday, February fifteenth, Mike Sielski will be joining Mark Zumoff and me and others for uh, an evening to benefit Philadelphia youth basketball. We're going to be at Puddler's Kitchen and Tap, uh, 3 DeKalb Street in Bridgeport, a place, Mike, you're very familiar with. Yes, sir. Uh, Conchi Brewing, uh, Conchi Hocken Brewing Company has released a collaborative beer with Mark Zumoff called Zooisms, 5.2% crushable hazy IPA, and money from each sale benefits Philadelphia Youth Basketball. We're going to have a party that night. 
uh, food, beer, etc., uh, some prizes, giveaways, raffles. 20% of all sales go to Philadelphia Youth Basketball, and Mike will be there signing and selling his terrific book on Kobe Bryant, and we look forward to it. Uh, it's going to be great. The, the event we had a couple of weeks ago was terrific, and I plan on doing exactly the same thing at this event that I did at the last one, which is drafting off of Ray. And his, I'm uh, not sure Ray's going to be there. So, so. Oh, you're not going to be there? Oh, my gosh. Well, no. it's, 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 it's up in the air. It's up in the air. Uh, you, you may have uh, to stand on your own. We'll see. No, no, my sales are going to go down if Ray's not there. He, he, <laughs> Ray, you got to be there, man. Come on. You, you guys can talk off the air. We, I, will, you know. okay. we will discuss that. It's, yeah, it's, still, it's still a possibility, Michael. I might still okay. see you there. All right. I'm, All not right. Gonna, I'm not putting any pressure on you, but you better be there. Okay. Hey. Mike Mike's <laughs> book is terrific, and people should buy his book. And if Ray comes, that'll be all the better. But uh, we look forward to it, Mike. And Philadelphia Youth Basketball is a great cause, and, and Zoom yeah. Off is uh, terrific. We're excited to be uh, working with him. Zoo is the best. Yeah. The best. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, Thank uh, you, Mike. We'll see you then. <laughs> Sorry. Ray, I didn't know he was going to pressure you on that one. <laughs> you sure you didn't put him anyway. up to that? Now? No, no, no. You told me you're thinking about it, and I'll, you know. You I am. About it. Yeah, I am. I got it. Listen, you do a lot for me and for that, you know, the charity and all that. So whatever, you you know, figure out what works. But we're looking forward to that event on the 15th, and then we'll tell you more about it coming up. Zoom Off, by the way, is great to work with. And I know this is of no concern to you, Ray, but the beer is great. Um, <laughs> let's go and to... It's certainly, and it's, and it's, it's certainly a very good cause. It is a great cause. It's a great cause. Phil in the Northeast is with us. Got thoughts on the Washington, whatever the hell's they yeah, are. The, what do you think, I mean, Phil? it's the perfect nickname, the Red Tails. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. The Red Tails or the Red Wolves? You're right. The Red Tails red was tails the, was with the, the Muskegee uh, Airmen. Yeah, That's that right. was the Tuskegee Airmen reference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would have uh, worked for me. Yeah. Can I, uh, do you fellas know that the uh, Redskins nickname goes back to when they were the Boston Redskins? It was a tribute to the. Um, Boston Tea Party, so that's about yeah, all. That's what they said in hindsight. What I read, because when all this was going on uh, and people were discussing it, there was a newspaper article that came out in the Boston Globe or the Boston Herald American or whatever that they were the Boston Braves, right? Right. And that there was also the baseball team, the Boston Braves, and right. so they decided to change it to avoid confusion. Mm-hmm. And that Redskins was in no way to honor anything other than they thought it was a cool nickname. All right. Thank you, folks. All right. You got it. You got it. Uh, Lou in Mount Laurel wants to talk a little pucks. Lou. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, what's up, Glenn? How are you? I'm good, my friend. Glenn, as I know, you you love ice hockey as much as I, I do. I, I got to say, I thought this weekend's the way they advertised it and conducted it, I thought hurt pieces of my soul as a hockey fan. I thought it was embarrassing this weekend, the All-Star game. Please, please expound. Uh, did, did you see any of the skills competition? I, I saw I literally watched nothing. It, it's funny. I, I <sighs> forgot it was even going on until I saw on social media they, how well Drew that, had done. And not to mention, they, they put it up against the opening ceremonies, and they wonder why they have low viewership. They, they just It just came across as cheesy and hokey. I don't know any other way to explain it. It, was just, it just seemed so forced. It really did. Then it, it it was bad. It was just bad all around. Ray, we talk about how well. Ray, I think we do this pretty much with most of the leagues because we talk about how baseball is killing itself. And you've passed your thoughts on Roger Goodell, right? Ray, does the, where's the NHL rank in terms of uh, how how well run that league is from the top? Uh, pretty bad. Although I will, I I do have to give them their props for coming up with the idea for the um, the the winter outdoor game, which I think was a was a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. and as yeah. 
you know, has really kind of been something that people look forward to. I, I think there's a danger of overdoing it. You, if you do it multiple times, I think that, that one a year is kind of a nice highlight event. And I think the idea itself was, was really a, a neat idea. But for the most part, no. I, I, think that, uh, I think that hockey, like all the other sports, to me, cries out for much better leadership than what it has. And so, Lou, England, does, yeah, go ahead. does Giroux winning the MVP, does that help his case to maybe increase his trade value a little bit? Well, I'll tell you what. I will answer that question for you in one second. First, let's hear this. Look at Giroux, what a play! Did you see that? Well, Giroux, still one heck of a player. Here's a little example of backhand, forehand. Gibson, no chance on that one. The 2022 Honda NHL All-Star MVP is Claude Giroux. Well, Lou, all that said, nah, it doesn't affect his, his trade value is what it is, and I actually think it should be pretty high. He can go to a cup contender and, you know, be on a, one of the top two lines. I mean, Claude Giroux is still an excellent player. You, you, but You think this is a, a Ray, Ray Bork 2.0 where they trade him to somebody who's right there? And I hope so. Okay. Yeah, me too. I do. I, I would, you I know. Do. Hey, Lou, always a pleasure, man. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, be well. Ray, I, I would imagine that uh, – Claude Giroux is going to be willing to to accept a trade. Should be. Yeah. Uh, I think they can get a good haul for him. And wherever he goes, assuming it's not a team that I dislike, I hope he gets to carry the cup. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll root for him, for sure. Um, I mean, you got the feeling, listening to Chuck Fletcher, when they did, uh, when did the press conference a week or so ago, um, you kind of got the feeling that, 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 that they're planning, that they're trying to make this trade. And he's... And his... Giroux has the no trade clause, and he was saying that he could block it if he wants to, but I can't imagine he would want to. It it certainly seemed as if the organization was trying to make this happen, and they expected Giroux to go along with it. And why wouldn't he? Yeah. And have an opportunity at this point in his career. The Flyers certainly aren't going to be competing for anything this year or anytime soon. So why not? And you know he's been he's been a really really good player. And uh, and you know I mean and the. A captain in the sense that Bobby Clark was, no, but there'll only be one of him. Uh, you know, I think that he's he's been a really good player for a long time through a not particularly stellar era of Flyers hockey, and I think people have sometimes lost patience and gotten irritated with him, but through no fault of his own. Um, to me, he's been a really good player here and, a, you know, the longest tenured athlete, professional athlete in the city of Philadelphia. I would like to see him get an opportunity to go to a team, and if he wins, gets on a team and wins the cup and I get to see him hold the cup and do a lap around the rink, I'll feel good for him. I really yeah, will. I'm with you. 215-592-9494. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now. Coming up, we're going to do a quick, what will Ray watch today? Ooh. On uh, 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.